Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, after many times of you telling me, I have finally gotten the audio book of The Body Keeps the Score and I have just started it. And one of the things that I have learned essentially was how much I didn't know. And it brought me into a lot of thinking in a lot of different capacities. Now, I don't want to try to say I'm even halfway through it. I really have just started it. But just from the broad sense of human nature, I I wanted to have some deep questions that, that kind of come out of this that have become apparent just from the little bit of learning from the trauma doctor that was there. So I want to start with the core concept of I'm in my 30s. I'm what most people would consider an adult, mature person. And I have obviously degrees of expertise and competency within my life. And I also have a little phone here that can basically answer any question I ever would have. You know, who is the true major league runs, you know, RBI leader, you know, any random thing. Who is the longest touchdown in Super Bowl history? All of this stuff I can pull up in my fingertips plus the competence I believe I've created in my life and just basically the fact that I have no red flags saying that I'm messing up. You know, I, I'm not getting the IRS chasing me for 10 years of back taxes. You know, I don't have people screaming at me on the streets. You know, in general, life's okay. And I'm able to help people with their problems and kind of create systems to keep problems from entering into my sphere and then into extended spheres around me. I say all this to say because when I address a problem, there are basic starting assumptions that I have. And some of the assumptions are that people are on the same equal footing or, or level levelness of this. You know, it's hard to have an adult relationship or a business relationship also with someone that you don't believe is at least equal to or competent in what they're going to do. You know, imagine if you tried to buy something from an online website and they say it's going to come on Thursday and it's two weeks later and you still have no idea when it's coming and they're not notifying you. Are you ever going to hire that company again to deliver something to you? No. And they're going to disappear from your life. And you end up only keeping the people that do what they say they will. Amazon says it's going to get here in two days. It's here in two days. You know, I know what a Whopper is going to taste like. Anytime I go to Burger King, it tastes like a Whopper. You know, like people go to where they can find consistency and that's how I treat my life. I want people who will do what they will say. And when people fail in these shortcomings, you know, there's a natural list of expectations that I have about why it didn't work. And I start with, did I do something wrong? Did, did I explain what I wanted poorly? Um, is it something that I did that I was supposed to do that I didn't like, like, did I not fill out a form correctly? Um, it was a problem that I have had that did I do something wrong with the, the technology. Um, and once I go through all that checklist and realize I did things right, it shows it's very easy to just write off and go, well, that person just doesn't care and doesn't want to do it or he's not capable. I'm moving on and essentially flutter that economic relationship out of my life. And, you know, to a certain degree, even personal relationships, you know, Teresa and I had discussions. Do we want Joey to be raised and around people like this or the otherwise? Do we think that they will always be this around Joey? And is that okay? And these are the types of questions that 
have been coming for me from listening to a book about trauma. And I want to start with that to address what my biases are internally and what my initial questions are before I even get into the subject matter of what the body keeps the score is all about. So hopefully that made some sense. And father, my, my real question here is, is, is the way that I'm approaching life, um, consistent and fair because I'm recognizing that in a certain way that I'm blocking myself off from a lot of experiences that other people have that because I don't have them and because I try to remove the negative tendencies that these experiences can exist in ramifications. Is that good for me because I'm denying an experience and whatnot? Is it good for, for those around me and all of this? So in a sense, I think I'm creating a problem that I'm trying to solve. And this is where I'm confused in a mental headspace. And I hope that that didn't come out too jumbled and jarbled in the whole explanation. But, um, but, but I, I feel like I'm in a more confused place than where I was before I started listening to this book and kind of evaluating my own life. Um, yeah, we might need to work this out a little bit. Fair enough. understand uh, how you got there and how that's related to the book. And, uh, but I'll, I'll give a shot at uh, what I heard you say. Um, I mean, uh, certainly working with uh, people who are trustworthy, you know, that's basically part of what you're recognizing. And you use the example of companies is that we develop trust and uh, with people who are trustworthy. One of the micro ways that that happens is through something called attunement. And that's the trustworthiness that you develop when you play with your son. Uh, when he laughs and you laugh, when he uh, points to something and you look at it, when he uh, makes a noise and you respond to it, He's developing attunement and he's determining that you're trustworthy, that you're a safe place for him to express himself, that you're attuned with him, and, and that gives him a way to experience and encounter the world. So we develop trust at the most basic levels and the most fundamental places. And those things, the very idea that anyone is trustworthy is built on that level of uh, that foundation of trust at the youngest ages, I mean, infancy, and uh, with parents in particular, that you're obviously the ones dedicated to his care and to developing that kind of trust with him that's in an ongoing way, that when he cries out, that somebody responds, that the world, you know, you start to learn how the world behaves, but you start to learn how the people who love you behave. And so you build those bonds of trust, and that becomes the, the solid foundation on which you uh, interact with anyone. Uh, and then, well, what, what happens when we don't have a person with whom we're attuned? We have a company now. Why should I trust? I mean, I learned this during the pandemic, right? I tried to order a, a webcam online and it, I don't think it ever showed up. You know, it was 16 months later or something. It still hadn't been shipped or whatever, you know. So um, why, should I, why should I trust any company online? And then, as you say, we, we learned to develop some signs of response that when I do a certain thing, it gets a certain response and I have an expectation that is met. 
And then I develop trust and then I do business with that person. And, and, uh, and then I keep going back to that person or not a person, that company. So that's the, the most distant level. What I just described in terms of attunement with parents is the most intimate level. And that really puts together the fabric of our, uh, our inner, fa- our emotional foundation, our, our very firmness, confidence, self-possession, uh, experiencing ourselves as a gift comes from those very foundational experiences. So, uh, yes, we, we certainly want to orient our children's lives to have those kinds of emotional, um, foundations, uh, that affirmation, uh, rather than deprivation so that a child can be confident, self-possessed because your son is really learning you know, we never look at our own face. We look at other people's faces. And if I feel something inside, I'm expressing that thing and I'm seeing something that doesn't correspond to it on your face, then I'm starting to doubt what I'm feeling inside. And I don't know what the disconnect is. And so that attunement, that, that early attunement with children helps them to trust their own interior ultimately and, and to even believe that they're a gift. And so it's so essential. And part of what the, I don't remember exactly where everything is in the body keeps the score, but uh, one of the things that happens in trauma is that that whole structure is broken by trauma. And so a person learns to not trust themselves because they have learned not to trust people who are intimately close to them. They're, and their uh, nervous systems and you know the biochemistry that is meant to protect us and to respond to threats in the external realm, like it doesn't work. And, uh, and, and then we were, we're traumatized. And then we, there, then there's a, there's a distrust that's inserted into our interior, which doesn't easily go away because it actually gets it inserted at a kind of uh, biological level. That's not rational. So it's not like, well, you know that you're not in Vietnam anymore. Why are you afraid of fireworks going off? It's not rational. It's, it's impressed at a, at a different level of reaction to a threat that we were not able to overcome and now is something terrorizing uh, to us. And so that's some of the stuff that the body keeps the scores aiming at is, is looking at some of that trauma, which is not merely a matter of thinking better or differently or adjusting cognitive processes, but really needs to be touched at an emotional level. And that happens through personal interactions that happens through, uh, you know, backfilling some of that attunement. Um, it, it happens with, with, a yeah, certain expertise and certain difficulties. So, um, in terms of that's sort of what I got from what you're saying in terms of trust, I, um, it seemed like you were saying that you should expose your child to untrustworthy things. No, no, no. What I'm saying in, in, in that regards is I, I, I'm removing that from my life and therefore from his. And where I, 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 I think I'm, I'm trying to say here with that is that I think that's my job is to keep him around trustworthy people and all that. But it's also widening this gap that I have of this is an entire segment of the populace that you know on the surface i feel like i can relate to anyone and but the reality is is that i don't have part of my mind that turns off because of triggers and you know in you know when i hear people saying that 
I just go, oh, that's an ex-. like before I read this book, I was like, that was just an excuse because you don't want to go to work. Um, that was my mentality that I had that, that you're just saying that because you don't want to do something because let's face it, work is hard. Most people don't like it. And a lot of people do any excuse to get out of it. And I do believe that there's a large percentage of that, but there's also a real element here. And so in a way I'm saying that, that I, I was never have given that credit before learning about the actual science that's going on behind it. But also as a result, I'm inherently keeping my son from being exposed to this situation, which he could learn from it. Now I'm keeping him from, because I don't want him to go through it. I, I, I see how this road ends. It's not awesome. Like we're avoiding that, but it's also creating a situation where until I really started diving into this, I never really thought it was, I thought it was something people said to try to get votes, but never was real. But there's an entire segment of this population that I, I don't fully relate to. And it's almost, it's not almost, it is self-selecting as far as why. And that's something that I had never truly grasped or, or thought was real. I thought it was just something that people said, the, like I said, to try to get votes and not in reality. And, it, and to me, it, it, it's eye-opening. You know, obviously I understand that, you know, horrific things happen and, and they're, they're not good, but I, to the, ex- I guess also to the extent that this problem is, um, you know, and how much more prevalent in society it is in terms of trauma on a regular basis than it is with, with, with not, I just had no idea how large this, this problem was, you know, mentally I can grasp. We went to war. There's a lot of soldiers that came back having a lot of trauma they experienced in war. That's a direct cause and effect. I did not realize that essentially this is happening in everyday life in America in a segment of this country that I just had no idea. And, and I think that that's part of what I'm trying to articulate. And it's creating just a confusion that how can this be inside of my head in, uh, in America? Um. Yeah, just uh, one thing in in terms of uh, what I want to say. On the one hand, I would say I think there's a lot of trauma. Uh, And and we use that word more often, at least in my circles, we use that more often. Sometimes we make a distinction like big T trauma and little t trauma. Um, But the impact and trauma means wound and you can uh i think that's a helpful way to think about it it's a psychological wound an emotional wound it's an internal wound rather than a a a bodily wound or an external wound uh even though it has a really bodily internal bodily brain uh impact and also uh you know hormonal impact you might say but uh so one of the the things you know you won't be able to protect your son from all trauma. Uh, that's clear enough. But the really foundational stuff happens. So by building a firm foundation uh, to help him trust his, uh, his internal responses, you know, when there's a danger and the fight or flight alarms go off and you can confirm that there's really a danger, that's, that's helpful and that's strengthening for him. I mean, we have the defenses that we need to deal with the, uh, the, the insecurities of life, 
but that needs to be sort of fortified and specialized. And that's what happens in normal uh, loving parenting is that when something goes wrong, you affirm that like, yeah, buddy, you were really hurt, you know, and uh, you probably feel pretty angry about that. Yeah, that's good. And you want to go beat that kid up. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, we're not going to beat him up, but I understand why you feel that way. And that's an appropriate emotion. And, you know, but what can we do? Let's take another approach and we'll use that, you know, I'm speaking at a very high, uh, whatever, <laughs> rational level. But that's the idea is that you can affirm someone. Sometimes uh, the opposite of that is, uh, well, no, you're not supposed to be so angry. Uh, that's bad. We're, uh, we don't get angry like that. You know, you, you, you threw something at the neighbor kid and uh, that was bad. Don't do that. Rather than saying, well, was there a reason you threw something at the neighbor kid? Well, he hurt you. And um, that's so you were angry or sad. You know, being able to affirm the interior experience is part of how we uh, confirm the interior experience that we can trust ourselves. Now, we can shape our actions and we can use that energy for different things. And that's part of parenting to help children to do that, to use their words and not their fists and to uh, express their anger or their pain and uh, not just take things, but, you know, uh, but, but shaming their emotions or making them feel bad that they felt something. That's where we tend to go wrong. So that, fortifies the interior and and likewise you know like you don't feel comfortable with what someone is doing i want to confirm that i don't want to say well shame on you he's your grandfather you should feel comfortable and then meanwhile he's molesting the child right you know and so uh that's the strengthening people against those uh fundamental traumas is is the what loving parenting is doing so then as then everything becomes more relativized. So if you don't traumatize your son uh, and you're helping him to understand, well, there are people out in the world who are going to cheat you. Everybody's not that honest. And then he's going out and he's starting to develop an internal sense of, well, you know, sometimes you might order a webcam and it doesn't show up in 16 months and then you have to deal with that. Uh, and getting getting angry about it and then being shut down because your anger doesn't do anything and uh, and feeling personally cheated and things like that are not helping us move in the right direction um, but we can we can help children to respond to those situations and put certain you know appropriate guardedness up in different situations he should have his guards totally down at home and that includes everybody you let into your house you know without some other kind of warning he should know to put guards up to certain degrees in other settings. Um, he should be able to have guards down at school until his teacher starts, you know, doing something that's whatever uh, abusive in one form or another. And then you have to work through those kinds of things. But um, the problem with something like war is, uh, well, there's a lot of problems with that because you, you, you have to have guards up and they don't always help you. And then that that's part of re what reinforces the, the trauma is that you're, all jacked up on adrenaline and your friend still gets shot and you're completely helpless to do anything about it. And all of your defense systems failed you. And then it leads you into some uh, internal pain that uh, everything starts reacting in, in, you know, different anyway, wrong ways. So anyway, uh, all of that is to, is to say, uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's a lot of, a lot of trauma out there. You know, I mean, uh, you deal in the housing market, right? Mm -hmm. Getting kicked out of your house 
is traumatizing. And as much as someone might try to fortify themselves against that, as much as they might be complicit in the problem, although as you're starting to recognize, and I think your estimation that most people are just lazy and don't want to work is actually the opposite. I think most people are traumatized and have a lot of troubles. This uh, is the conf- that this is the exact ratio I'm having the the, the problem with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and and I mean, it's it's horrendous. Uh, it, there there are a lot of bad parents, you know, and and bad parents who had bad parents. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on for generations, and. Um, I've just been looking to, uh, I've been listening to another book I'll recommend to you. <laughs> you might want to read it along with this one, but it's called Tattoos on the Heart. It's uh, written and read by Father Gregory Boyle, who's a Jesuit who went into inner city LA in the heart of gangland and was pastor of a parish there and built up homeboy industries. And the entire book, hundreds of pages, is about his experience with gangs and the ways that he rescued these guys by giving them work, by treating them like human beings, like helping by helping them work through things. And, you know, tons of deaths, gang shootings, people that he worked with that got shot, but tons of people that got out and made a better life for themselves. But it's like, yeah, it's so deep. And, and what heals that? What heals that is someone who is willing, like Father Gregory Boyle, to step into it and actually be trustworthy and start to build bonds of trust and, and to be a father that the person never had. And that requires commitment and and consistency, and requires actually providing something. And it's a lot of work, you know. That, but it's a it's a wonderful example. Uh, and that book is just tremendous. I mean, it's so inspiring and very real, painful at the same time, but but very inspiring. What this man was able to do, and it's like a real application of the kind of stuff that you're reading in the Body Keeps the Score. Uh, how you how you help people with. That kind of trauma, you know, I mean, infants whose, whose fathers were shot, you know, uh, children whose mothers uh, told them that they're worthless and trash their whole life. I mean, you know, that's, an, that's one extreme, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of middle ground in that. And mm-hmm. people that just never had the, the emotional foundation that gives the kind of confidence that you and I have. I mean, just to, to be straightforward about it, we've been very blessed uh, to be loved and cared for in the situations that we've been. And that makes a huge difference. And um, I, I have two thoughts on this. One will be this episode. One might be an entire episode. Um, but but to keep it with the one I think will be shorter is what you just described there is the dilemma I'm having now that essentially this new information, which I guess is commonplace for the human experience, um, it, it is being placed upon me because I, I have – a conflict here. Um, I have tenants who are not keeping their words and not paying period. And I have this knowledge that it, it might not be because they're lazy, but I also know that they're never going to, to pay. So do I do something that's going to be more traumatized? E- effectively I- I'm choosing between the families of my employees and myself over the employees of, or over the individual's, who are in the house and you know obviously i've been doing this a long time 2011 was a long time ago when we started doing this and i I look at and can honestly say i didn't force this upon anyone everyone who got evicted chose to be evicted by not keeping their their word essentially and doing their end of the bargain um but at the other hand my 
callous isn't the right word, but but my justification for that and why I think it was right is like I didn't cause this problem. You know, there has to be consequences. And where I'm getting this con- conflict is what the the, the part of the, the next episode will be is the consequences are in society. You know, you do something wrong, you have to pay restitution or go to jail. I mean, that's basically how our legal system is set up. And it makes sense, you know, fix who was harmed, but it's also the people who do that are most likely to do it again. You know, people who have sued someone once are like 47% or 47 times more likely to sue someone again compared to someone who's never sued anyone. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, what is the real solution here? Is it me just putting this fish back into the pond to go lie to someone else and get evicted six months from now? Or would there be a way to actually fix the problem? That, that that's a big picture question because I know I'm not capable of doing it. Um, so therefore what should my role be knowing that I'm not capable of fixing everything. And then this is the, the, the stuff that I'm mentally dealing with here right now, father. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's spend an episode talking about those things. I think that's, fair enough. Uh, well, well, that will be uh, that will be great. next week, guys. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we will be with you next week.